0: Okay, HaGun Erev Shabbos, Shom Aleichem, Brukham Abahim, B'chom Welcome everyone, <clears> HaGun <throat> Erev Shabbos, Parshas Nasei. Nasei is the first Parshah after Kabbalt HaToyrah, so Hashem makes sure to give us a big shefa of Toyrah. We have the longest Parshah of the year, it's the longest Medrash Rabbah of any Parshah, it's the longest Raya Mehemna, longest Zayar of any parsha. Let's begin with some ideas on parshas Nasai. No, Rashi says on parak Hey Pasuk Yud, the ish es and a man, his holy items will be to him. This is talking about the Indian of Maaser. Literally, the pasuk says, Parak Hey Pasuk Yud, the ish es kadosh vloiyu, ish asher yitena kohen talking about giving truma, And Rashi brings the Medrash that says, one who is ma'akev maiser, someone who doesn't give maiser, and he, doesn't, uh, he keeps it and he doesn't give it, lo you it will be to him. Meaning, in the end of the day, you'll only produce one-tenth of what you were accustomed to produce. You have ma'isar, give the ma'isar. You don't, lo you. Then, it will be to you. Which is uh, understood to mean that you'll only produce one-tenth of what you are accustomed to produce. So it's interesting that the Torah doesn't say you'll produce one-tenth. The Torah says, the maister that you're accustomed to giving will be to you. Why doesn't the Torah say explicitly you'll produce one-tenth? What does it mean it will be to you? I think this uh, teaches us something very important, namely, there is a miser, there is a ten percent that's in within a, which which is in a person's possession that has to be given to a poor man. Now, if you don't take that ten percent and give it to support Tyra, to to support Aniim, that very ten percent, oh, you better be sure it will be given to support Aniim, who you, meaning. The way the Torah says that you're only going to produce one-tenth of what you're accustomed is your meister will be to you. Meaning that very 10%. That very 10%. This is Pasha Shan the Pasuk. That very 10% that you're supposed to give to the Ani, huh, there's no way to get around it. It will go to the Ani. But if you don't give it to the Ani while keeping the other 90%, you're going to end up giving it to a different Ani. And that is... The person themselves. Now, this is also very interesting. And this is an important um, principle to be aware of. Rashi tells us that in the parish of Soita, which is someone who is unfaithful to their husband, it says, Ishish, which comes to teach that a person is being unfaithful to two. To the Ish to the God above, to the Ish Melchama, and to her husband. Likewise, on the pasuk, Parakeh pasuk Tetzvav Minchas Kna'os, Rashi says it is two jealousies: the jealousy of God and the jealousy of the husband. If the woman is unfaithful, so she's a unfaithful to God, and b she's causing God to be jealous. So this is highlighting a very important principle that we've, we often overlook. Namely, that when there's a union between husband and wife, it is not a union between two people. It's a union between three people. When husband and wife are married to each other, when the, mar- when the man is koina the woman and they now have kedushin together, don't think it's just the two of you. It's a three-parted partnership. It's you, your wife, and the Rebbeinah Shalom. As Gemara tells us, every child, There are three partners in a person. Shmila Pinchas always tells me, if, any, if a person needs something for their children, the way to daven is, you say, HaShem, look, this is not my need. This is your need also. We're all, we're par- we're both we're partners in this child. Come on, help me out. This I'm not this is not just for me. You turn to your partner. We're partners over here. So, when a woman is unfaithful to her husband, she's not only unfaithful to the husband. She's unfaithful to God as we know. The man offers the yud, the woman offers the hay, and the ribbam is the third partner. So, a woman who's treacherous to her husband, she's unfaithful. It's against God as well. Um, the next just point is something that always uh, I'm, is very compelling to me. And that is, you know, we're trying to get this woman to admit that she she was unfaithful. Now clearly this is a very brazen woman, hard-necked woman, stubborn woman, strong-willed woman. She, I mean, the husband said, I don't want you going into seclusion with that guy. She does it anyway. And she denies it. And we take her to the Beis HaMikdash. And she denies it. And she knows she's going to have to drink the Saito waters. And she's going to explode. She's still stubborn. So what do we do? So Rashi brings, we make her walk from place to place to tire her out, So that she would admit. Just think about it. This woman is like tough as nails. But nevertheless, everyone has their breaking point. And people who are tired, or worn, or thirsty, or hungry, they're not operating under all cylinders. And it's and even someone who's so stubborn and strong-willed, if you tire them out a bit, then you're dealing with a different beast. And that's always important to be aware of, about oneself, that sometimes a person is tired or worn out, they're more prone to do an avera. They're more prone to anger. They're more prone to to give in to the yetsahara, and therefore it's important to be aware. You know, I'm hungry right now. I'm grouchy right now. Maybe I shouldn't have this conversation right now. You know, you have somebody who could get on your nerves. Don't talk to them if you're hungry. You're tired. You're worn because you're not you're not operating under all cylinders. Okay. Now, this was also very interesting to me. We know the Nasiyim donated first to the Chanukas Hamas Bayach. Rashi's bothered, why did they donate first? He says that by the Nedavas Hamishkan they, they donated last. And because they donated last, they wanted to make up for it. Now, it's interesting because um, they, the Karbanois were not the first thing they donated. Actually, the first thing they donated was the cattle and the wagons to transport the items of the of the mishkan. So Rashi says once they did the mitzvah of donating the wagons and the cattle to carry the mishkan, their their heart further compelled them to donate first to the mizbeach, which means they didn't immediately donate to the mizbeach. It means, first they donated the cattle. That mitzvah elevated them. And once they were elevated, then they had the desire to donate further. From here we see that sometimes to be zoichah to a big mitzvah, you first need the small mitzvah to elevate your heart and to inspire you to be able to be zoichah to a greater mitzvah. You know, sometimes you know in fundraising, you say, okay... Let, let the person give the small donation and they'll, they'll get into the habit, maybe you'll get the bigger donation. But it's not only, it's not a psychological uh, ploy. There's an idea that sometimes uh, a person needs a certain spiritual elevation to have the desire to do a bigger mitzvah. In fact, the Grah writes that whenever a person does a mitzvah, he creates an angel that will not be uh, satisfied until you do a mitzvah of even greater caliber. And this is again something we see over here. After they did the first mitzvah, it engendered a desire to do even a greater mitzvah. Okay. Now, um, another idea. The Pasuk says, Vayakrivu as Karbanon when they brought the animals for the Karbanos, they didn't bring the karbonos immediately. They left it in front of them as bayach. Rashi says, because Moshe needed to receive word from God that he should accept it. Hashem never told them to bring karbonos. So Moshe Rabbeinu had to wait until God gave word. Interestingly, Rashi already said earlier regarding the cattle and the wagons that Nasim donated, that Moshe Rabbeinu also had to leave it in place <coughs> until he received word that he could accept it. So it's interesting. Moshe received word that he could accept their first donation, but even so, he did not accept their second donation until God gave explicit word. Because there's an idea that Moshe Abenu is not Moshe Abenu is working for the boss, and he cannot he doesn't take any doesn't take any discretion to accept anything that he doesn't have explicit command that that's what the Rebbeinu Shem wants. And just because the acceded to their first desire doesn't mean the Rav will accede to the second thing they want to donate. Okay. Now I want to share with you um, I think this is a major offering. Rashi brings in describing the uh, symbolism of the Chanukas HaMezbeach and the various Karbanais Rashi says that Everything had great significance. Says Rashi that the Gematria of Ka'aros Kesef is 930, connected the years of Adam Arishain. It weighed 130 mishgala because Adam Arishain had children at 130 years old. Mizraq Echad Kesef is Gematria 520. 500 years Noyach was when he had children and 20 years. Of the Gzeira of the Mabo before he had children. It's seventy shekel. Caneged the seventy nations. Kaf Achas. Caneged the Torah that was given from the hand of Hashem. Asar Azov. Asar Hadebrois. Ketayres. If you substitute the test for the Dalid. Tarya Gematria six thirteen. Par Echad. Avraham. Ayel Echad. Yitzchak. Kaves Echad. Yaakov. Seirizim to be mechaper mechiras Yosef. Ulezeva Shlomim, Caneged Mosheva Aharon. And so on and so forth. So, I was wondering why are we being marames basically to all of world history until this point? We know Avram. We know that uh, the Torah was given in the year twenty four forty eight. So, we're now talking, I believe, in the second year. So, this is the year twenty four forty nine. Why is it important to review all the world happenings until this point? alluded to in the various details of the Chanukah HaMizbech. I, I believe we could say as follows. We know that the day that the Mishkan was erected, vayehi B'yayim HaKim Es HaMishkan K'aloi HaKim Es HaMishkan Chazal say, first of all, that day, it was Simcha before God, like the day that Heaven and Earth were created. Furthermore, on the words Es HaMishkan, Chazal say that there was another thing that was erected with the Mishkan, and that is the entire world. That the world was wobbly. The world was unstable until the Mishkan gave it purpose. Because the whole purpose of the world was for God to dwell Hashkina in it. So the world did not have purpose until the the Mishkan was erected. And so in, in a sense, what the Mishkan was doing, it was solidifying, verifying, upholding creation. But not just creation, we could say. It was then giving solidity. It was giving concretization not only to existence but to world history. In other words, now that we have a Mishkan, the last 24, 48 years of world creation is now purposeful. So the illusion to the entire history of the world until this point was to show that not only is the world being given Kiyam but even the history of the world, the happenings of the world were likewise being substantiated. And then this is really a gift from Shemayim. If you count up from the beginning of Parak Zion, which talks about the Chanukah Hamishkan, <laughs> about the Chanukah of the Mishkan. From Perek Zion until the end of the Parsha. you have paid test psukim, 89 psukim, Gematria Chanukah. Gamachia inauguration, really amazing. Yeah, from the beginning, from you have paid test psukim. It's one of the longest prokim in the chumash. Maybe it's probably the longest paid test psukim. Gamachia Chanukah. the Chanukah of the Mishkan occupies Chanukah psukim. Okay, that's what we got on Parshas Nasai. But we have some very interesting questions. I just have to change the batteries.